DW Africa Link Are you ready to get all the updates from Africa and beyond? If your answer was yes, then welcome to the Africa Link program, which does exactly that. Hello, I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I am Okerin Gushinado. We welcome those also listening through our partner stations and also on our Facebook page, DW Africa. You can also find us on Spotify. That's right. Coming up on the program, fighting in Eastern DLC takes its toll on children. And some wonder if their dreams will ever become a reality. I don't study because I don't have the means to pay for my schooling, but I still dream of becoming a pilot to gain some respect. Now it will be impossible to realize that dream as I'm no longer studying. Once we return home, I'll go back to school to pursue my dream. As the fighting continues, will additional troops from South Africa make any difference? There's little reason to believe that this South African contingent is going to be any more successful than the East African community contingent that they're replacing. This situation really needs a political rather than a military solution. There's more coming up, so stick with us. We're back after the World News in Brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyinge. Ukraine says it has destroyed another Russian warship in the Black Sea. Authorities say the vessel was destroyed off the Crimean Peninsula, which Moscow illegally annexed 10 years ago. Kiev says its naval drone sank the Caesar Konikov, a large landing ship in Ukrainian territorial. It's the second time in two weeks that Ukrainian forces claim to have sunk a Russian warship vessel in the Black Sea. DW's Nick Connelly has more details from the Ukrainian authorities. This is a ship that had already been damaged back in uh, the early phase of the war when it had been in the Russia-occupied port of Berdyansk, and that time it had survived, unlike another ship that was in port next to it, and had been rebuilt, had been uh, made seaworthy again. That now seemingly no longer possible. We understand from these Ukrainian sources that uh, basically a large hole was created on its left side, and that has led to it taking on water and being beyond recovery. As for the rescue operation, we don't have any details now if those uh, Russian sailors have have been evacuated from that ship or not. DW Zani Konili there reporting from Kiev in Ukraine. Ghana's president, Nana Kufuado, has sacked his finance minister, Ken Ofori Atta. He's one of the high-profile persons to be kicked out of Akufuado's cabinet less than a year to end his presidency. Isaac Kalechi in Accra with more. Ken Ofori-Ata's sacking was expected a couple of years ago when Ghana's economy plunged into a major crisis, forcing it to seek an IMF bailout. In 2022, when lawmakers from his own party even pushed for it, the president said there were no basis to do so. Foriata, who happens to be the president's cousin as well, also refused to resign despite calls for him to go for not managing the economy well. Some consider the latest move too late when the damage has already been caused. Health Minister Kwekwajiman Menu is another high-profile minister to be sacked. Isaac Kalechi in Accra, Ghana. Kenyan police have rearrested a fugitive murder suspect who had escaped from police custody. Kevin Kangede is wanted by U.S. authorities in connection with the killing of his girlfriend in Boston last year. The 41-year-old hasn't commented on the allegations. Kangede has been detained in Kenya, awaiting a decision on whether to extradite him to the U.S. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. 
Israel is under growing pressure to delay its planned assault on Rafah in southern Gaza. A United Nations officials, official has said a full-scale offensive could lead to manslaughter. And Defense Minister Praboyo Subianto is claiming victory in Indonesia's presidential election. The former commander of Special Forces says young people are his key supporters even though he himself is 72. An official early results put Subianto ahead. For more news and information, head on to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jin Nyinge. Thank you, Jane, for the news. You're listening to DW's Africa Link program with me, Okeri Ngushinado. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join the show on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and send us your comments on the stories. I see some of you already tuned in, Lambert. Kevin says, good evening from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Kiki Joe mm-hmm. says, listening live from Martinsville, Virginia, USA. You're all very welcome mm-hmm. to the program. Now on to our top story. Fighting between government forces and M23 rebels has resumed around the strategic town of Sake in eastern DRC. A medical source says sporadic gunfires could be heard and Three wounded people had been treated and transferred to Goma. That's right. The UN Security Council recently voiced concern at escalating violence in eastern DRC and condemned the rebel offensive launched near Goma earlier this month. The DRC, the UN and Western countries say Rwanda is supporting the rebels in a bid to control vast mineral resources. But Kigali denies the allegations. Mm -hmm. And so many people have been displaced in in and around the town of Goma in the eastern DRC. This is having a huge impact on the lives of Congolese citizens. It is killing the dreams of thousands of children who no longer have access to educational uh, establishments like schools and um, kindergartens and so on. Yeah, our correspondent in Goma, Zanem Neti Zaidi, spoke to a young boy displaced by the war who dreamed of becoming a pilot. But his Mm. dream is fading with time. Meshak Biamungu, 13, is now spending his third year on the move, far from the village of Kibumba. When the war came to our home in Kibumba, we fled with the family to this Don Bosco camp, where we suffer enormously. In Kibumba, I started at Mapera Elementary School. In the Don Bosco camp, this young boy, who dreamed of becoming a pilot after his studies, now spends his days doing nothing. He wonders if his dream will become a reality or disappear. I do nothing in this camp except help my mother with all jobs around the house. I don't study because I don't have the means to pay for my schooling. But I still dream of becoming a pilot to gain some respect. Now it will be impossible to realize that dream as I'm no longer studying. In the meantime, Meshak Biamungu tries to find odd jobs with the aim of making some money to support his family. At the moment, I'm interested in trades so that when I grow up, I can help my family. When God gives me grace, I find building sites where I help out as a mason. I'm paid between three and 5,000 francs, which I give to my mother so she can buy us food. Like the millions of other displaced people who fled the M23 war, Meshak has only one wish, the return of peace. All I want every day is to see peace restored in our villages so that we can return. We suffer a lot around here, yet we've left our fields in the village. Once we return home, I'll go back to school to pursue my dream. 
some volunteer teachers, also displaced by war, have been teaching children in camps since last year. But according to teacher Emerance Sibomana, the program is not going as planned due to a lack of resources. Imagine being a teacher and going in front of the children without having eaten anything. The children themselves are very hungry. That's the big problem. We need help. According to UNICEF, nearly 4 million people are internally displaced because of the M23 war in North Kivu. More than half of them are children. Zanem Neti Zaidi in Goma with that report. And I mean, Eddie, it's always sad if when children are missing out on an integral part of their growing just because of conflict that's yeah. happening around the country. Yeah, war is never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we, uh, a lot is destroyed. It's not just about lives being lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the livelihoods, the future of individuals. Yes. It, it, it's, it's almost, um, you know, crumpled to the ground. So uh, that's why uh, a lot has to be done to end the ongoing fighting. Let's bring in Phil Clark, Professor of International Politics at SOAS University of London, Hello, Phil. As we just heard in the report, millions of people have been internally displaced in eastern DRC. How dire is the situation on the ground? The violence against civilians has been severe, particularly in the last couple of weeks. Uh, This has led to the displacement of about 150,000 people, most of whom are now either moving towards uh, Goma or on the outskirts of the city. Uh, It's very difficult to get aid uh, to these people. Um, So it has been a very violent period in this part of Congo for the last couple of years, but uh, the last couple of weeks has seen a a really severe escalation in the situation. The question for many will be, though, why does there seem to be no end in sight to the fighting? Because as we're saying, it seems to be even getting worse. This whole situation is political. Uh, This is not a conflict that can be resolved um, militarily. The reason that this conflict keeps going is that uh, we're seeing intransigence from both uh, the Congolese government and the Rwandan government, both of whom have various interests uh, in this escalation. Uh, Until there is a a peaceful political solution uh, to this conflict, unfortunately, we're likely to see further escalation. So there's big pressure at the moment on the United Nations, on the regional governments, on the African Union uh, to find find a political solution uh, to, to what's going on. Um, but but they haven't been able to succeed in that in the last couple of years. It's going to be a very difficult uh, p- political situation for them to deal with now. Mm. It's interesting you say uh, using uh, military or using combat will not necessarily end this fighting because we know that South Africa is set to deploy a contingent of 2,900 soldiers to the Eastern DRC to help fight against the rebels. Are we saying this will not make any difference? There's little reason to believe that this South African contingent is going to be any more successful than the East African community contingent that they're replacing. We've we've seen South African troops uh, in Eastern Congo before. They often haven't acquitted themselves particularly well. Um, they've often been ineffective at uh, dealing with rebel violence and, and protecting uh, local civilians. And we've often seen South African battalions themselves uh, accused of committing crimes as, as part of, of these missions. Um, I don't think there's great optimism on the ground in eastern Congo that the, the South Africans are, are going to, to make the situation better. Uh, and, and again, um, this situation really needs a political rather than a military solution. 
What really is the M23 Rebel Group hoping to achieve? Uh, they are making further advances, trying to claim more territories. To what end? I think the M23 are fighting for, for two things in particular. Um, one is on behalf of Rwanda that they are trying to, to maintain a Rwandan sphere of influence in eastern Congo, which Rwanda has felt has been threatened uh, in recent years. It's been threatened uh, by decision-making in Kinshasa by President Shishikedi's uh, government. It's also been threatened by increasing Ugandan interests uh, in eastern Congo. So I think M23 is, is trying to do uh, Rwanda's bidding uh, in this regard. Uh, but M23 is, is also fighting for the protection of the Tutsi ethnic minority, a, a group that has been increasingly targeted by the Congolese government, by the Congolese army and, and by local leaders in eastern Congo. Um, and so I think until there, there is a, a serious effort by the Congolese state uh, to, to, to provide that protection uh, to the Tutsi, we, we are likely to see M23 uh, continue uh, the, the insurgency that it's mounting at the moment. So we know what's going on. We know the fight fighting has, has been going on for a while. It's actually getting worse. What is needed to end the fighting? The only thing that can end this conflict is for Shishikedi to sit down with Kagami and, and work out a deal. That This is all about politics. Uh, this is about the competing interests of these two governments and, and these two presidents. It, it won't be easy to find an accommodation between them, but there has to be dialogue. There has to be mediation that probably will combine uh, United Nations uh, mediation with African Union and regional mediation. Um, up until now, those international actors have not been very well coordinated. They've often been very incoherent in their attempts to broker a deal here. Those international parties need to get their act together then they need to get uh, Kagami and Shishikedi around the table. There needs to be a serious dialogue. And until there's a, a political process like that in place, uh, we are going to see this conflict get worse and worse. That was Phil Clark, an expert on international politics. So we'll continue to follow the situation and give you all the updates when they come through. But you've been making your voices heard on our social uh, media page, Facebook, DW Africa. Let's uh, read some of the comments. This is from Treza Lombe, who says, the presence of South Africa's military in the east of DRC will only be a partial process of peace due to the fact that this zone is occupied by different types of militias and rebels. Mm-hmm. And then we have another one here from Akiana Godwin that says, too bad South African government, those soldiers may be risking their lives for nothing. This is a political struggle that has been turned armed struggle, but before you support the Congo government, Ask their current president how he managed to win the latest election. Um, that's what the comment says. Yeah. I mean, uh, most of these comments are really questioning if the number of South African troops mm-hmm. will change anything. Well, keep those comments coming through on our Facebook page, DW Africa. This is DW's Africa Link program, broadcasted Monday to Friday. I am Okeri Gushinato. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join the show by commenting on our Facebook page. That is DW Africa. We see a lot of comments coming through mm-hmm. on uh, our top story, which was focused on continuous fighting in the DLC. A lot of comments are, uh, you know, regarding when the fighting will stop. That is a question that we asked our experts who says it's only dialogue sitting mm-hmm. down with stakeholders, but the military solution is not going to help. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Eddie, one of the comments here that I see from Lambert Kevin says, 
What I don't like about the war is that only the innocent and local population keep suffering yeah. while the big wings in authority keep enjoying. That's that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. But we have still more to come on the program. Labor unions in Guinea have threatened to declare a nationwide strike in the coming days if nothing is done about the inflation in the country. Life is very expensive today in Guinea. I'm not accusing anybody, but the government is incapable to save its people. We'll get to more of that in a bit. But let's go to Nigeria. The central bank of the country issued a warning against the usage of foreign currency as a medium of exchange there. Now, this is after some Nigerian businesses have resorted to using foreign currencies like the US dollar for -hmm. goods and services as the Naira depreciates. Mm -hmm. And Eddie, according to the... Uh, Central Bank of Nigeria Act of 2007, mm-hmm. it stated that the Naira notes issued by the banks are the only legal tender right. in the country. And anybody who contravenes this provision shall be liable to a fine or six months in prison. DW correspondent Shehu Salmanu brings us more in this report. In this supermarket, customers are free to pay for goods and services with foreign currencies, mainly the dollar. The persistent depreciation of Nigerian Naira forced some citizens to embrace foreign currencies as a medium of exchange for goods and services. Alhaji Abubakar Ahmed, a store owner, says uncertainty of the value of Naira made traders to price goods in dollars. To my observation, two reasons made traders price their commodities in foreign currencies. The first one is the booming nature of the businesses, especially in the bustling cities like Abuja. And secondly, traders avoid local currencies for the fear of loss due to the uncertainties of the decay of Naira. These days, I have never seen any country currency that is losing its value like Naira In some cities, customers pay for goods and services in foreign cash at will. Unlike big cities, including Nigeria's capital city, where some stores, schools and corporations demand foreign currency. Mr. Obi Eze, a customer I met at the supermarket shopping, described the situation as unfortunate. They have made us to believe that the dollar is more, more value than the naira. That is why people struggle to get it. And there are some African countries that it's not like that. You can't use dollar to buy anything. If you want to buy anything, we'll tell you to change it to their own local currency. So they decide that nobody should accept dollar as a means of exchange for any goods or services. Unless you're paying maybe to buy goods overseas, let's eliminate dollar from the local market. The Central Bank of Nigeria remains the responsible institution to rescue the country's legal tender from crashing. Dr. Alasson Usman is an economist shed some light on what authorities need to do. Every country in the world have what legally recognized as a medium of exchange of goods and services. In Nigeria, Naira is the only legal currency. Already there is a law that prohibits using any other currency. What CBN should do, even the government itself need to do something. They should enforce that law to arrest and prosecute any other person that use any other currency other than Naira as a medium of exchange. The move to save the Naira from languishing state, according to financial experts, 
will need the Nigerian government to form a strong national economic team and would raise foreign exchange policies. Shehu Salmani with that report in Nigeria. Now also on our Facebook page, you are busy commenting on that, mm-hmm. um, on the Naira, um, what is it, Nigerians using foreign, foreign currency, currency because yeah. of the depreciation of the Naira. Yeah. Kennedy Sitati says the situation is the same here in Kenya. Um, <laughs> the money has lost value. Yeah, this, uh, this, this one made me the laugh Kenya a bit. Shilling, yeah. yeah, Stephen Okafo says Nigeria is beyond repair. The best is to conduct a referendum. Referendum on, on what? Yeah. Really? yeah. But uh, that just shows the frustration on the ground, okay? Yeah, and Sally Belunian says Naira has become a useless currency. I, th- I think maybe this is why they're resorting to the foreign currency, even though they're not allowed to um, legally. But Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're not going to pretend that we are business people here to mm-hmm. understand the, how, how this works. But of course, if you're using more foreign currency in your country, yes. that's, that's even going to further affect uh, your local currency. Yeah, the right? value of your currency. Exactly. And it, it's going to um, affect the economy overall. So that's why the government is, is, is telling them not to use it. But uh, they are also feeling, well, do something then about the economy. Otherwise, <laughs> this is probably the best way to go. So yeah, let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Mm-hmm. And now moving on to the next story. In Guinea, Conakry, the most powerful labor unions have notified the government that they will declare a nationwide strike if the government does not announce measures to fight against the high cost of living and also to alleviate the hardships for the people in Guinea. Yeah, the government recently increased the price on the importation cost of basic food items in the country which has led to an unprecedented price increase in markets across the country. Karim Kamara brings us the latest in this report from Conakry. The Guinean government recently added a 20% charge on the cost of importation of food items into the country. This increase has had serious repercussions on the prices of basic food items, such as rice, which is the staple food, oil, flour and onions. The price increase came as a surprise to the people, as no prior notice was given by the authorities. Mabiti Bangura is a government worker and a housewife. She blamed the current price hikes on the government, which she accused of inaction to protect its people. Life is very expensive today in Guinea. The authorities have willingly added to the price of bag of rice. And traders have added this just to make life difficult for us. I'm not accusing anybody, but the government is incapable to save its people. The price of all the goods such as rice, oil, sugar and flour have been increased by the government and it comes just a month to the month of Ramadan. Government says the price hikes on rice in Guinea is due to the price increase in rice prices in India. Mori Kaba, a civil society activist, described the government's explanations as alarming and unacceptable. The reason that the government has given is invalid. The government says it's because the price of rice has increased in India and Guinea is not the only country that imports rice from India. Ivory Coast, Mali and Nigeria did not increase the price of rice. In our own analysis, the government has connived with importers to make us suffer. But you won't accept this. The Ministry of Commerce last week signed an agreement with importers to maintain the added prices on food items while people have been sent on a sales-driven campaign in market areas across the country to abide by the prices. The Minister of Commerce, Lupulama, 
has issued a strong warning to anyone caught violating the agreement. We are asking the business community to make sure that the objective behind the signing of the agreement is respected. There is a hotline to call. It is open at all times to report all bad practices, whether it is retention of goods or unwarranted increase of prices contrary to government's fixed prices. We are asking everyone to inform us on time and the culprits will be dealt with. Hardships have increased for the average Guinean since the massive fuel depot explosion in December last year. Economist Mohamed Kamara says if nothing is done to augment local production, Guinea will face serious cases of inflation. The lower classes of Guineans spend a lot of their money on food, so if the price increases, it will directly affect them. There is a risk that Guinea will end up facing high levels of inflation if nothing is done to increase the use of local products over imported ones. Labour unions have threatened to declare a nationwide strike in the coming days if nothing is done by the government to hold inflation. Karim Kamara in Conakry. Mm-hmm. And now for our showbiz segment. We are joined here by our very own Iram Atipo in the studio. Hello, Iram. Hi, Okeri and EMG. <laughs> uh, welcome to the studio. I hear the winners and runner-ups at the Just Ended Afghan are receiving juicy prices. Tell us more about that. Let's start yeah, that. so we all know that... Um, Ivory Coast was the winner for mm. AFCON, so uh, they would receive eighty-two thousand uh, dollars. In addition to um, a villa, and they are also receiving national honors. Wow. Hey. Eighty-two thousand dollars each. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. They actually are receiving eighty-two thousand dollars each. I see. Yeah. Okay. So um, from there, we move on to the Nigerian squad and they are receiving an apartment and a piece of land near the capital, Abuja. You know how big Abuja is. And they are receiving this. They are so lucky. For what? What did they do to receive it? They were second. They were, ah, so, so you can imagine if they, they had won the tournament. You can imagine what they were going to receive. They're giving the whole Abuja. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm curious, what happened to the third prize winners? Are they getting anything in all of this? Okay, so South Africa, they are also receiving $52,000 per player. And in addition to all these bonuses, we know that um, the price for the AFCON, the winners, mm. have been boosted by 40%. So now, in addition to all the goodies they are getting, mm-hmm. Ivory Coast is getting $7 million US dollars as the prize money. Okay. And then the runners up that's Nigeria is getting $4 million. And the in South Africa, in Congo, they are the semi-finalists. They are also getting $2.5 million each. That so that's crazy. so much. Yeah, it makes me wonder why I didn't focus on football, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in those days. But uh, at least they, they have something to show. They, they went quite far in the yeah. competition. One mm-hmm. was first, the other was second, and then, you know, third mm-hmm. and fourth yeah. uh, in, in that sense. But Ghana, my, my own country, well, we... We didn't go far. We were kicked mm-hmm. out of the group stage. Shambolic performance it was. So what's happening in the country? Can you imagine? Ghana actually budgeted $8.5 million ah. for the AFCON. Which, which is, is higher than the than prize than money. Yes. So actually today, the sports journalists have organized um, a protest mm. that saved Ghana football demonstration, which they are seeking um, good governance or reforms from the Ghana Football Association in Ghana. So they had the protest today and they listed out some uh, points mm. 
that they want um, to be reformed in the Ghana football. So mm-hmm. they are presenting this petition to the Ghana's parliament. Mm-hmm. And then, can you imagine in today's parliament, the Minister of Sports actually stated that even though they budgeted $8.5 million for the AFCON, mm-hmm. they used only $3 million. Oh. So ah. I think um, he's trying to tell us that we have nothing to worry about. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering, Aram, as, an, as a Ghanaian, what do you think of this call? Or, I mean, and the demonstration that's happening by the Save Ghana football dem- uh, demonstration. I think this is a good call because mm-hmm. we are just living on past glories. And our last AFCON, like what we won was in 1982. That's oh, like over long. 40 years. Yeah. yeah, so we are just living on past glories. So we only have four. And I think Nigeria and... Ivory Coast are catching up with us because mm. they have yeah. three yeah. each. Mm-hmm. So we really have to yeah. uh, um, move fast. Yeah. And I think as a Ghanaian now, we don't put our hearts into football because I remember our last match, I actually wore the jersey mm-hmm. and posted a picture on my status that we are winning. Then people were sending me messages that I should try and eat because... <laughs> <laughs> because because if I don't eat, I won't be able to eat after they were going to disappoint mm-hmm. us. But I still had my fingers crossed. Yeah. And, and they're disappointed. They're disappointed. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no good. way. You know what? Let's move away from depressing Ghana, <laughs> Ghana sports news. And, and let, let's talk about what, what's happening to Tyler. I mean, she just won the Grammys, but somehow there's, there's some swords coming after her. Okay. So actually, she released her tour dates. And... She didn't add Africa, mm. any African countries to, to oh, really? at all, even her own country, South I'm Africa. I'm so surprised. And everybody's angry. All the fans are angry about that. And I think it's a good call because you have to start from home. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, having an African tour as a South African and you're not doing, um, you know, mm. singing water and all of your yeah. hit songs <laughs> in South Africa or anywhere. It's, it's a bit sad. I mean, why, why though? I mean, is it, is it a case that she think we're not interested in her songs? No, it's not she, big enough she, here or what? Yeah, she can't even argue the infrastructure because she's from South Africa. Yeah. She knows she can perform somewhere in Joburg or, you know, Cape Town. Yeah. And some people also think that she might schedule another date later for African countries. And then mm. Asha is also the most played artist mm. in Nigerian radio stations in 2023. Okay. I wish we had more time to dig into showbiz, but we'll leave it here. I got to speak to Tyler, find out what's going on mm-hmm. on her side. But uh, thank you guys for staying tuned into the program. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And this has been Okering Gushinado. Until tomorrow again. DW. Made for Minds.